Improving diversity among clinical trial participants is an important step in alleviating the racial and ethnic health disparities that continue to dominate headlines. In the US, 12% of the population is black and 18% is Hispanic or Latino. But among the 32,000 patients who participated in clinical trials that led to the FDA approval of new drugs in 2020, only 8% were black and 11% were Hispanic, according to the agency. Also of concern, Black and Hispanic employees make up about 13% and 18% of the pharma workforce, respectively, and only 7% and 4% of the total biotech workforce, according to recent studies. So not only isn't the system set up so that all patients get an equal shot at signing up for trials, but those barriers to access for diverse patients go hand in glove with a shortage of minority investigators and clinical research personnel within the drug industry. It all adds up to a dearth of data on how people of different ethnicities respond to treatment. And without the data from clinical studies, marketers, for one, will continue to be hamstrung in their efforts to better communicate awareness of therapies to these long-neglected communities. Clearly, more innovative approaches are needed to diversify talent and clinical trials. It's Tuesday, November 9, and on this week's program, we'll be discussing new initiatives to ensure clinical trials and the biopharma workforce reflect the diversity of the patient community. With my special guest, Dr. Charlotte Jones-Burton, co-founder of Women of Color in Pharma, Charlotte will also give a preview of WOSIP's upcoming conference slated for later this week. Now back to the interview with Dr. Charlotte Jones-Burton. Charlotte, the last time we spoke was in August. How have you been? I've been well, busy and um, progressing things uh, both within my company and also within WOSIP, but very, it's great to be here with you. Thank you. Likewise. Uh, great that you're busy with, with good things. And uh, it was right after the WOSIP 2021 think tank that we did the last one of these. And at that event, I believe you did some polling of your audience, which was comprised of pharma, biotech, and med device firms. And results signaled a new level of commitment from those organizations to solve for societal issues. So that was encouraging. I was just wondering, are we seeing proof of that commitment in terms of signs this industry is making strides in advancing clinical trial diversity? Yeah, thank you for that question. And I would say, you know, certainly we are seeing progress uh, in terms of the communication that things need to change. And, you know, this is, you know, several times since I've come to you and we've had this conversation since 2020 um, when we had this reckoning, if you will, um, not just within uh, the United States, but I think within the world. So we continue to see that we're having companies that are um, putting out press releases reflecting the activities that they're uh, they're doing uh, within the industry. We know, as you've mentioned in your introduction, that diverse representation in clinical trials is important. And we're seeing that there is really um, an investment that's going, predominantly building a pipeline of uh, diverse investigators, um, creating partnerships with HBCUs, because there is a recognition that we need to have um, both young business professionals and scientists coming into the industry so that we can ensure that, uh, that we have the diversity internally that we want to see um, then reflected in our clinical trials and beyond in our commercialization. The progress that WOSUP is calling for is to really see sustainable change focused on driving equity in everything that we do. Internally, as we're seeing in a lot of the press releases, there are a lot of external efforts. But importantly, and what I want to call attention to is we want to see this done internally. Uh, and we believe that uh, it's important that we have the internal commitment uh, 
for change in order for us to really realize uh, advancing equity. And so what we're calling for is that companies appoint uh, executive level role to really oversee this. You know, you need to have oversight and accountability in order for there to be uh, progress. And we're also calling for companies to have an enterprise strategy that includes not only philanthropy, which we're seeing a lot of, but that includes education, alliances with new partners, uh, as well as then uh, seeing that this strategy includes how we're going to make changes in our research and then also in our commercialization. This is critical to advancing equity. And so, Mark, what I would say is, yes, we're seeing progress. Are we seeing the progress that's going to create sustainable change? And that's where uh, we might challenge um, what we're seeing. So a number of critical steps to advancing equity, uh, but whether your mandate uh, or your call to action has been fulfilled in a comprehensive fashion uh, remains to be seen. That's certainly true. And you you mentioned our uh, second annual think tank that we had. And what we sought to do there was really to further the conversation. Um, and we also wanted to identify um, companies that we thought were doing exactly what I mentioned. Um, and we were able to, as I had mentioned last time, spotlight three companies, uh, Janssen, Genentech, and Quest Diagnostics. And those are the companies that uh, we were seeing early on that not only were working internal, but external they not only were working, excuse me, externally, but internally, they were making the change changes um, that we are calling for. So, um, so we're we're looking uh, for more of that. And really, when you think about the progress that needs to be made, um, it is ensuring that internally we're able to support what we expect, uh, as well as having kind of those external actions. In addition to those three, we've seen a number of drug makers partnering uh, with um, historically black colleges uh, and universities. Uh, we saw BMS, Novartis, and Genentech um, all partnering with black colleges to attract top talent in the next few years to boost their own black representation and to spur diversity across the R&D ecosystem. Um, and just last week, another big life sciences company, Abbott, announced a multi-million dollar effort to ensure diversity in clinical trials. So certainly a number of uh, critical steps being taken to, to advance equity. Mark, might I say there, um, and I, I, I agree with you, and, and we are continuing to see this throughout the industry, you know, a few questions that I just, you know, for your listeners uh, who uh, are leading within companies, um, and yes, collaborating with the HBCUs to attract top talent, I think it is critical. It's a necessary step that we must, must take. But I would also say, what are we doing with the talent that's currently sitting within our organizations? How are we not only uh, engaging that talent, but how are we giving that talent growth opportunities? Uh, how are we ensuring that we have inclusive practices within our companies? Because if we recruit in uh, these 
the talent. Um, we want to make sure that there is an environment that is ready uh, to receive them. And then I think the, another question that we have to ask ourselves is, you know, for those uh, Blacks and Latinos, Latinas that uh, attend predominantly white institutions, what are we doing uh, to attract them? We know, um, yes, we have um, minority institutions, HBCUs and other institutions, but what about those uh, Blacks and Latinas who are not attending those institutions. So what are we doing? And then I also just come back to the fact that I have a 22-year-old a that recently graduated from college and was trying to make inroads into the pharmaceutical industry and the challenges that existed there. So what types of programs are we putting forth um, in order to really help guide um, students? Because there is no course in undergrad and even graduate school that says, how do I access an industry? So I think we have to be thinking about um, really attracting them. Other industries do that quite well. And our industry, I believe, has some room for improvement. I also wanted to ask you about another new clinical trial diversity initiative involving Columbia University and Pfizer that was announced recently. It's called the Columbia Pfizer Clinical Trial Diversity Initiative. Its goal is to reduce health disparities by increasing participation of underrepresented minorities in clinical trials and enhancing diversity of clinical researchers. And as part of the program, Pfizer is providing a three-year, $10 million grant to Columbia to establish and expand the effort. Your comment on that? Yeah, so um, so we we did see um, a, a partnership, and it, it's really important that we continue to have innovative partnerships we've seen with COVID-19 that public-private partnerships have really helped us in terms of the speed in which we were able uh, to develop and distribute um, the COVID-19 vaccines. Personally, I struggle with creating partnerships with institutions that do not have track record for excelling in the areas of diversity. I think we have to be careful um, to not just go to um, uh, institutions that have reputations, but we wanna make sure that uh, the work that they've been doing has been um, one that shows that they themselves have a commitment um, to excellence and a track record uh, specifically in terms of diversity. And um, we don't have to look too far. Um, I'm reminded earlier this year of a partnership that was made um, with uh, Columbia University around COVID-19 vaccine distribution. And I don't, based upon news reports, um, I don't think that that partnership really uh, achieved what it was supposed to, which was ensuring that New Yorkers of color um, were not left behind in the access to COVID-19 vaccines. So I think that we have to, um, as we are thinking about what partnerships will help us in diversity and clinical trials, we have to have a critical eye at looking at historically the track records um, within the area of diversity. And that means that we have to measure uh, and track what matters um, as it relates to the, uh, the inclusiveness um, of diverse populations. I want to say that I do think it's important as we're thinking about partnerships, particularly in the area of diversity, equity, 
and inclusion is that we're not just looking at overall reputation, that we're looking at specifically what has been done in those areas and where we find uh, traditional institutions that have made progress, whether it is, um, you know, their internal hiring uh, practices, who they have as professors and representation within their, uh, their internal um, organizations. We have to make sure that we have some evidence there um, before we're doing the partnerships. Now I'm on the outside looking in, so I wanna caveat this as, you know, this is just my opinion and my impression based upon what I am seeing. How might efforts such as this improve treatment of patients from diverse groups? I mean, I know that they're gonna be trying to uh, integrate culturally sensitive engagement tools, uh, including exploring how to make trials more accessible accessible through wearable technology and telemedicine and home visits. Can those things really bridge the gap? Yes, I think that the short answer is it depends, is what I would say. Uh, And I think that it has to be a comprehensive approach and really making sure that we recognize that one size doesn't fit all. Um, Sometimes when we're talking about um, populations that don't have access, um, they don't have access to technology the same way that they may not have access to our clinical trials. So thinking about wearable devices where it makes sense and populations have access to that, I think that that may help. Um, However, we wanna make sure that we don't further marginalize uh, communities of color um, by coming up with solutions that that work for a majority and well-educated and well-resourced population, whether it's those populations of color or majority populations. So I think what's really important is to make sure that we have the patient Uh, voice and the community leaders voice of the populations that we're trying to treat uh, and enroll in our clinical trials um, so that we can uh, identify multiple solutions. Again, one size does not fit all. In addition to being a moral imperative, Charlotte, do you think it's also a marketing imperative as well? Now, that's an interesting question. And what I would say is not only is it a moral imperative, it also is a scientific imperative. And we know um, that then that feeds into um, the marketing imperative that you're getting to. And if I could just spend a couple of moments there, you know, evidence-based medicine is really critical to managing disease. And as a physician, um, you know, that becomes top of mind for me. So I think it's important that we recognize that we have an opportunity and really a responsibility to drive equitable data generation um, in the research that we're doing. And certainly um, making sure that we are including different populations within our research then will allow us in terms of the commercialization, the marketing, as you're uh, mentioning, will allow us to make sure that we can uh, have these uh, populations will have access to our medicines um, and we're able to reflect them in our marketing materials and our campaigns um, so that we do improve the access. 
Okay, sure. And we know that our, our country's sordid history of medical experimentation has led to a lack of trust among communities of color. Can expanding the roster of diverse clinical researchers help to improve trust in the research process as a whole? Absolutely. There have been uh, many reports in the literature that that will improve trust, the concordance between um, in, uh, clinicians, healthcare providers, investigators, and patients really does go a long way in improving trust. I think that, you know, our medical system has been systemically untrustworthy towards certain populations, and there has been a lack of awareness of clinical trials in rural and minority communities. And this is both amongst healthcare practitioners and also amongst patients. And this could be driving um, the lower initiation in clinical trials. So I think it's important to recognize that because we have to be thinking about what actions um, that our companies can take to improve community awareness of clinical trials, both at the, uh, the patient level, but also at the provider level. Um, and we also must be thinking about how can we improve social determinants of health uh, as well um, at the company level. And that goes back to my earlier comment around having an enterprise-wide strategy that includes multiple pillars. Okay, terrific. I'd like to switch gears for a moment and just talk about the fifth annual WOSIP conference, which is coming up later in the week, streaming live from November 11 to 14. First of all, how are you handling the $64,000 question of in-person or virtual? I tell you, this COVID-19 pandemic is certainly making things challenging for us. You know, over a year ago, we, we knew that it may take some time for us to come out of the pandemic. And so we projected that for this year's conference, we would likely be able to have a smaller contingency, but for the majority, most individuals would still need to be joining us uh, virtually. So we went into gear to really say, you know, a couple of things. Number one, how can we create an experience in the virtual world that is absolutely phenomenal? And I believe we've, we have done that because we've had practice last year, but then we also spent this year planning that. And then the second thing we said is, how can we convene a smaller group of individuals in person and give them an experience that is equally amazing, but slightly different? And so we've been able to do that of course, we are keeping people's safety um, at the top of mind, and we will be requiring um, that people show that they've been vaccinated. So this in-person contingency is only for those who have been vaccinated, um, and we have other procedures that we're putting in place. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, great. And considering we were all on Zoom you know, a year ago, that's great, great progress. Tell me about the conference theme this year. So this year is a major milestone for WOSUP. It's our fifth annual conference. Our theme is Project Her, Honor, Empower, and Rise. And we believe that this is a call to action, that it is incumbent upon 
each of us to really think about as we are thinking about advancing equity, what is our role and who do we need to attach ourselves to? Who do we need to honor? Who do we need to empower? And how can we elevate uh, not only ourselves, but also communities of color so that we can alter health outcomes? So that is our theme, Project HER. Okay, very uh, inspirational. And you've got a number of new features in store. Uh, for instance, this year's conference will feature your first awards gala, right? That's true. And speaking of Project Her, Honor, Empower, and Rise, the honor we are planning at our inaugural gala to honor legacy makers in the industry, I'm sure many of whom your uh, audience will know, uh, Dr. Frida Lewis-Hall, Dr. William Carson, Myrtle Potter, and Denise Torres will be honored at our inaugural gala on Saturday, November 13th. Awesome. And you know, those are certainly names that uh, our industry uh, will recognize. And um, you know, diversifying the pipeline of those entering the farm industry, including you know, science and marketing, is a big priority, as you spoke to earlier. And of course, it's a priority for WOSIP as well. Uh, tell me about how you're addressing that perhaps in a, in a new way this year. Absolutely. And again, in, in uh, true form to what our theme is, Project Her, and as I mentioned, a call to action, we thought about, you know, well, what's our call to action and what can we do, as you've mentioned, uh, to help diversify the pipeline? So this year, for the first time, we are having a conference inside a conference. We're calling it our Career Connections, which is an outreach program where we are, it's free. Uh, it's on Saturday uh, for four hours. It's a micro conference um, for students of color who are interested in careers in pharma and life science to really come inside the walls. And what we'll be doing is introducing them to different um, individuals who have taken career paths Ways so that they can understand what career pathways may be available for me. And we will be looking at multiple functions across the business. So not uh, only are we looking at research and development, we'll also be looking at sales and marketing um, and really talking about some of the other enabling functions uh, that are required for us to advance you know, our pipeline. So we're looking forward uh, to having uh, the the students, graduates, uh, whether they're currently in school or they've graduated, uh, join us for this Career Connections. Wonderful. All important efforts in advancing the talent pipeline and ultimately advancing equity. It's great to hear, as always, about your commitments and your actions in this all-important area. Thanks so much for joining me again, Charlotte. Thanks for having me, Mark.